Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Tell me, boy, tell me, boy, did he get very far? Tell me, boy, tell Don't me, boy, sing that like, does he what drive a car? Oh, what are you doing? Oh, 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 <laughs> I got to oh, ask oh. you, Alex, when yes. do you come up with the song that you're going to? Is it literally a second before you start doing it? <laughs> or do you workshop this? Uh, I hope it's time? not like a no, week I have, long I thing. have a whole list that I came up with during season one. I As soon as we wrap on one podcast, I start practicing I go into vocal training with my coach. Wow. So we work pre- yeah. very heavily on it, uh, right it's, up until the moment we start taping the next episode. Just real quick, is a Milo or Penny your vocal cor- uh, coach? <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column okay. B. I, I let right. both Good. of my kids teach me how to sing, and they have the voices of angels. So. Really na- <laughs> name-dropping your children. Strong. Yeah, I don't want to uh, brag. I don't want yeah. to flex too much. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got two kids. <laughs> Yeah. I got two kids, one for the each of you. Nice. Uh, this is Alex, and you're listening to Let's Hear it for the Boys. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about We Gotta Go Now, which is a wild episode of the show. I believe this is the fifth episode of the season. Yes. Lots of big, gross stuff happens throughout this episode, but I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, as usual... Turn away now if you haven't watched the episode yet, if you haven't checked it out again, season two, episode five, because we're going to get right into spoilers. We'll give a broad overview of the episode, and then there's lots of things to delve into and talk about here. Uh, So let's do that now. Uh, The Seven is filming Dawn of the Seven. Most of this takes place on their big old Avengers-style movie set. Oh, Avengers! That's that's why it looked familiar. It looked familiar. Yes. Uh, Lots of amazing, amazing parody stuff going on there that I'm sure we'll talk about bit by bit. Uh, But as that is going on in the foreground, lots of stuff going on in the literal background of the shoot with Queen Maeve. Homelander has outed her, as we know, and she is dealing with the fallout of that, um, leading to her decision to eventually take down Homelander rather than throw her girlfriend Elena under the bus. Uh, Starlight, meanwhile, is grappling with the information that she now knows Stormfront is liberty and what exactly that means. She ends up in quite a kerfuffle over that, though she does get a little bit more info about what's going on with Stormfront. And Stormfront is pushing Homelander... To get into the meme world, get into the internet a little bit with her, uh, and that ends up with them having a a wild, over-the-top sex scene by the end of the episode. Yes, Um, air sex. Air sex. Er, sex, as I like to say. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, the meanwhile, other members of the seven, we should probably talk about the deep is very in on church of the collective. Uh, he has gotten married to a very nice wife that they choose for him, trying to work his way back into the seven. Meanwhile, a train is working his way out of the seven and that's what he's dealing with. He pushes back hard on the movie set, but it just doesn't work out and eventually has to suck it up. 
go forward and just deal with getting kicked out of the group. So that's the seven there. Let's move on to the boys. Butcher, after realizing that he is not going to be with Becca, Becca is not going to leave Ryan, ends up going on a bit of a spiral. And as a result, we find out more about his family, about his home life, about what's going on with him. And we get, finally, after all these episodes, to the star of the boys, Mm -hmm. Terror the Dog, finally shows up. (laughs) Big moment here. We got a little tease last season, I believe, but this is a full-on terror. Yes. I I mean, Terror... I would say maybe co-star or understudy even, because the real star here is Terror's fuck pig. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. That's yes. the star of the show. Yes, that is the star of the show and the star of trivia, to call out a catchphrase from another one of our podcasts. Oh, man. Come on. So, yes, we do get to meet Terror. We meet Butcher's aunt. We find out about his brother who passed away some way. We don't know how then. Uh, but as Huey and Mother's Milk track him down to the house, they get attacked by Black Noir. Lots of stuff going on there. But ultimately, it adds to another detente between the boys and Mr. Edgar, which is a very mm. interesting place for them to go in that I'm sure we can talk about as well going forward. Uh, and last but not least, Frenchie is tracking down Kamiko, who turns out to be working for Cherie, running uh-huh. deals and hits for the Albanians. Uh, and they come to blows as well. Things are not well in the Frenchie-Kamiko relationship by the end of this episode. So there you go. Broad overview of what's going on. Uh, I'm I'm not 100% sure where to start because there are so many things going on in this episode. Uh, but let's start with that last thing because I think it's the simplest one to tackle. Uh, Kamiko yeah. and Frenchie. Uh, I think this is the middle of the storyline, but we got to talk about that face rip. Uh, I don't oh, know what else. Oh, man. That is a, a tension grabber right there. Ripping faces off. You kind of start with, okay, what's going on? And then all of a sudden just... Total violence and chaos. Very well done. Very entertaining. Unbelievable kind of action. It wakes you up. Yeah. It wakes you up in the morning. My alarm clock is just the sound of a wet skin being ripped off someone's face. Uh, That's the way to start the day. What a what a pick me up. Don't um, talk to me until I've had yeah. my morning face rip off. That's true. Whoo, caffeine. Yeah. Um, I uh, how about the Broadway? These uh, these mobsters are talking Broadway, just trying to be. Yep. Th- that make you feel some sympathy for them when they got their face ripped off. Well, that was uh, that was a running bit for the first season, right? There were a bunch of mobsters who were talking about Broadway too, and it was the same sort of thing. Cut it in a scene. They're debating which is the best Broadway musical, and then they get ripped yeah. apart. So I love that as a running bit. It's so yep. silly and so dumb, but so funny at the same time. Yeah, and they're right. Uh, you know, Hamilton uh, changed his race, changed his history, but that was the whole point of what Lin Manuel was doing. It's that's right, that's wow. right. That's the real uh, point of the episode, the lesson of the episode. Mm-hmm. Pete, where which uh, team are you on? Team Hamilton or Team Dear Evan Hansen? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but I did uh, very much enjoy <laughs> the bit callback uh, to that. And uh, I'm also like, I'm really happy with the way Frenchie was handled in this. Like, I was worried that Frenchie was going to like, it was nice to see him stick up for himself a little bit at the end and was like, fuck you, you know, I'm out. If this is what you're going to do, 
go be a monster. That was awesome line. That was very powerful. And I liked how at first, like, he was, like, following her around, trying to figure out what's going on. But the reveal in the church was just so great. Yeah. But do you really think he's going to have this tough love? I mean, throughout this whole uh, series, it's been Frenchy just, like, continually going to uh, help save Kamiko no matter what the situation is. And vice versa. Yeah. I mean... I, I don't think he's actually giving up on her, but I do appreciate that we've torn the Band-Aid off of the relationship in a way last episode when he tried to kiss her so we can move beyond that of what's going on with him. It's this deep bond. They both care about each other. They're both going through things. Uh, but uh, to your point, the line where Frenchie yells at her for not teaching the proprietary sign language that she used with her brother is yeah. is such a good way of going at it that it's a little pissy, it's a little bratty, but it's a very natural human reaction at the same time. Exactly, yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, good stuff there. Uh, let's move over to the rest of the boys. I think we could talk through this storyline with Butcher. How do you feel about the big reveals with this family? Do you feel like... It deflates Butcher now that we know more about his backstory. Does it make him a richer, more engaging character? Where where Uh, do you fall on the line there? Well, seeing how (laughs) he interacted with his mom said a lot. Like, just, uh, uh, like, I feel like that kind of, like, there was a softness, even though he called her an old bag and had, like, a lot of like terse back and forth. It was nice to see a little bit of his roots and why he is the way he is. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, yeah, I think it, to answer your question, uh, it makes him more richer. I mean, like uh, more rich. He, he's, it shows what he's running from and why he has built the family of the boys around him because his, his biological family just isn't working. And there's gotta be something with the way his brother died that is leading him to feel guilt and or something. Someone did something wrong and he's running from that and has landed it with this group of misfits. I do love the idea that there's a whole family of butchers. I think they tread that line really <laughs> nicely that like his aunt having the taffy factory where she sell yeah. and make, sells and makes drugs in the basement. And I'm sure his brother had a little bit of a sense of that as well. His parents but maybe no, as well. I- uh, Zalvin, you're wrong. Uh, that's how taffy is made. Oh, you really? You first have to make drugs, and then you turn the drugs into taffy. That's how it works. Yeah. Uh, that's why yeah. it's so good. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why it's addicting. Yeah. Well, that, they make it so sticky, so you don't eat it all at once and overdose. That's why yeah, it gets exactly. caught in your teeth. It saves your life because otherwise, it's just your mainlining um, rubberized crystal meth. Yeah. <laughs> that's if you go down to many seaside towns, you can just walk along the boardwalk oh, and you hear yeah. people going, salt water, salt water, salt water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. don't even get like fried dough. That shit is oh, that's the real <laughs> shit. Yeah. That's whack. I never yeah. did fried dough. No thanks. Yeah. Exactly. Fried dough is whack. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's actually, it's great. It's, uh, it's the greatest, so yeah, yeah there, I, there were a lot of really good details in there. It is fun to finally see terror sad that we're getting rid of him, but it's, it's a nice little fad moment by the end mm-hmm. to get yeah. him to use the terror fuck it line. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Fun it's stuff. Great. Really good stuff. And, and a way they, uh, they did the sort of the fan service quote unquote in a very subtle way. It wasn't like, yo, terror. Like it was just like, <laughs> no, it's part of this. It, you you can go crazy on your own, but the show doesn't have to, you know, point fingers at uh, terror quite as hard, which I thought was great. 
Plus, they did a good job of revealing, like, where's my boy? And you're like, wait, what do you mean? And then, yeah. Yeah. So. I also liked how Huey and Mother's Milk were treated in this episode. And this has been true of this whole season so far, which we've talked around a bit, is this kindness between the characters that isn't necessarily present in the comics is present here. Uh, And it certainly comes through the running joke of Mother's Milk being like into Victorian dollhouses and moisturizing properly. And here he's watching Outlander and he has yeah. the great line well, where he's yeah. like, what are you watching? And he's like a show called eat my dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's Which is the that working was, title of Outlander. It's true. Ronald that. D. Moore was like, I want to pitch you on a show called to eat my dick. <laughs> it's about a time traveling woman. Yeah. Not a lot of people are going to get the Ronald D. Moore impression, but I think it's spot on. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I love that back and forth uh, with Mother's Milk and Huey, you know, just that uh, they kind of like trying to be nice, but also razzing the shit out of somebody. Uh, and uh, it's fun. It's just it's a uh, it makes the relationship tighter each time and, and it makes it feel like they're they're at least in sync, which somebody on this team, for the love of God, please try to be. Well, uh, and another I, thing. I, oh, go ahead, Justin. Well, I was going to say, um, we also get in this run of scenes, again, talking about um, uh, Butcher's little brother, Lenny. Uh, he no. used to calm Billy down. So basically, Huey is the Lenny, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, of 100%. My Cement. Yeah. Uh, yes. Lenny, the character from My Cement. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that's why the implication is that is why he picked Huey in the first place. Uh, regardless of Huey's circumstances with A-Train and uh, his girlfriend and everything else, that he hooked into him because he reminds him of his brother. And Huey realizes that. He doesn't state it outright. He's not like, I'm your canary because, you know, like it doesn't walk you through that, which is nice. Um, But he clearly realizes, and, and that's clearly why he also steps up and doesn't let Butcher go on a suicide mission at the end of the episode. Exactly. And tries to save him. Yeah. Yeah. That was some fun back and forth because Butcher also didn't let up. He was kind of a dick right until the end as far as like, he was like, fuck you, man. We came to help you, you know, don't try to pull some bullshit and go out in a blaze of glory. And then Butcher kind of came back at Huey and was like, fuck you, leave me alone. Who are you anyway? But Huey didn't fall for it or didn't let that like kind of deter him, even though it seemed like a very butcher thing to do to push him away. Uh, how did you feel about Black Noir's uh, ability to just blend in to the suburb, the suburban uh, land around? He was amazing. He An was absolute like a chameleon. chameleon yeah. Mm-hmm. The way he hit. <laughs> I, though uh, I was surprised that th- that shot was pretty goofy of him on the roof. Right. Yeah. Like, well, uh, this is I was wondering this while I was watching it through is does he want them to know that he's there? That's what's confusing about it, because it does seem like he's it seems like a bad a person bad at their job is hiding. But we know that Black Noir is not bad at his job. Right. Right. But it's also like part of like Edgar's thing for sending him as a warning. So he's not like he's hiding from normal people, but not, you know, he's kind of like being in plain view view for the people looking like Butcher to notice is like a warning, you know. Maybe Potentially, though, the other thing, we've seen him in action a couple of times now, right? And he's not sneaky. You think from the way that he's dressed that he's the Batman character of the team, 
But he's not at all. He is a blood distribute. He goes, he just rips through people. He destroys them. So it might be playing against that in a certain way, this expectation of him being the Batman who just shows up on a roof, disappears on a whim, and you don't know what happened, versus he's hiding there, and it does look stupid. That's funny, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it makes sense because, you know, a couple of scenes later, he literally blows up the home. <laughs> so it's not like he's... Right. Keeping it super cool. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, I expected him to be like laying down on the roof covered in uh, like roofing and be like perfectly mm-hmm. invisible. But instead, he's just like, huh? What? Oh, you can see me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like LL uh, Cool J in the movie Toys. You guys know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I yeah, know exactly nice, what you're talking nice about. Nice ref. Yeah, um, that is a good ref. Deep <laughs> ref. You know uh, what? We should, you know, we should check out. You know who's the star of that movie? Robin Williams. And I would love to check out some of his movies, but I never, it's hard to remember all of them. Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of them. There's a lot. There yeah. are a lot of them. That's true. But his and ringtone. Toys is number one, right, Pete? It's, it's up there. Uh, his ringtone, though, uh, was really fantastic. I'm glad we didn't get too serious with Noir where we don't still get, he is such a funny bit. There is such a great kind of humor about him and that ringtone moment really captured, uh, captured it encapsulated it and i was very happy about that moment it's also interesting to see that moment through the lens of where everybody's loyalties lie because we know homelander is not down with mr edgar and not working with him at all and in fact butting heads with him and was put in his place by him a couple of episodes back versus black noir is working clearly on the express orders of Mr. Edgar down to having a little cabaret at his chest that's watching every movement that he makes. So even in the seven, where we know everybody doesn't like each other, there's still these split fractions going on. And that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of that come together in this episode where people are picking teams, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, Maeve goes and gets deep and like there's there are people splitting up, coming together. So it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds. Yeah. And I mean, while you guys are watching at home, I think let's just use the official hashtags. It's either hashtag team Hamilton or hashtag team uh, dear Evan Hansen. Use one of them and you know which people I'm talking about are on which side. Yeah. 100%. That's the only true lens to view this show. That's the satire we're talking about. Absolutely. Uh, Now, I did Uh, want to mention uh, one thing just before we move on from this plot line. Uh, We talked about the Canary thing earlier, and this is a bigger example of it. It's not necessarily a subtle example, but one thing I really appreciated watching this episode is how this show goes for actual episodic content, but still layers things in throughout for the fans who've been paying attention. Uh, and I say the canary kind of, because, you know, they double down on it. They explain yeah, it. They, they, show spelled going it out. Out. they yeah. spell it out for you. But there are a lot of things like that where the show works on an episode by episode basis, but still pays off things from episodes back. If you have been paying attention and that's yeah. not yeah. easy to do. It's also the sort of thing which I'm discovering watching through this, these episodes multiple times, as well as when we're going back and watching uh, season one, there are things they layer in very early that do not make any sense until much later in the show. So it really is only unless you hold on to throwaway lines uh, that 
you can see them coming. Uh, but for most of the point, most of the time, they're just nice things that are clearly there in the world. And again, if you go back, watch through the whole season, watch through the episodes, you pick up on it and go, oh, right. Okay. I see what's going on. Like, I mean, a random example, I think we talked about this last episode, but uh, Stormfront's super old. The reason she's probably referencing Pippi Longstocking as a Halloween costume is exactly because of that. And you wouldn't get that reference until you understand it in the next episode. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's it's confidence. Good writing. Yeah, it's yeah. great writing, and it's uh, confidence oh. in the show, and just a... Uh, it's so well thought out, um, really, like, labored over it, and uh, it's, I love that. It's very rare, well, I feel like, to find that in the show. I also thought it was funny the way she was talking to Starlight's mom, you know, because she's so old, she understands her a lot Mm -hmm. better and was able to really kind of manipulate uh, that conversation relationship very easily. Yeah. Well, you want to keep talking about that then? The Stormfront, Starlight, Starlight's mom thing. I think that Aya Cash is so great. Aaron Moriarty is so great. Seeing the two of them spar, particularly because... Stormfront is so far beyond Starlight in the manipulation game. It's great to see. Yeah. yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's mm-hmm. like she keeps getting like trying to be like, no, I've got the ace up the sleeve. Oh, no, no. But Stormfront's like, nah, you're you can't really hang with me. Well, and especially like across this whole episode, it's all about Stormfront's ability to manipulate everything. Uh, and yeah. I mean, across the board, I think that's sort of a theme for everyone in this episode, like with uh, the stuff with the deep and his wife and uh, even the movie stuff. It's like about like what what is shown to the outside world and uh, Homelander's the, the queen of that with uh, the social media stuff. Uh, Stormfront's the queen of that. Yeah, sorry. Yes. No, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you calling Homelander the queen, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's the queen of something else. Yes. I do love the position this puts Homelander in, though, where he is spinning out of control, completely out of his element, doesn't know what's going on, uh, to the point we get that great scene where he jumps in on Victoria Newman's rally and loses it so badly that he lasers the entire crowd. Of course, it's a fantasy, but I also appreciate the fact that the show gets you to a point where you're not sure. Where You don't know which way, yeah. He could be doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, especially when the episode starts with the video surfacing of him actually doing that. Right. So did you think... did you think it was happening, Pete, when you were watching it, or were you? Uh, did you think it was a fantasy? Uh, well, I was like, "Holy shit!" Uh, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." I for a second I thought it was real. Yeah, I I love that rally too because Homelander has never had human beings stand up to him before, and particularly that soldier. Uh, yeah. standing up to him. I'm forgetting what the exact phrase is. I think it's something like, you don't... Uh, speak for you us. Don't, you don't speak for us. And then everybody chanting that at the same time. It felt like a very real moment. And the way Antony Starr played it as well felt very real to me. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, and the fact that we are able to believe that he would do that and find a way to get away with it is a, another uh, example of just how great the the writing and, and plot structure of the show is because we're like, okay, here we go. What's he going to do now? And we believe that he can figure this out. Yeah. I also like what the show is saying to the point you were making earlier, Justin, about meme manipulation, which does feel yeah. Oh, yeah. crazy current. I mean, it was certainly current when they were making it, but as we're heading closer and closer to a presidential election, the line about you'll know it's working when it shows up on your uncle's Facebook page. 
Yeah. yeah. So, so smart and terrifying at the same yes. time. Very terrifying. And I also, like, this episode felt the most like it was sort of just lightly touching the real world. Um, we they had a ton of, like, actual celebrities reference. We, get, we saw Katie Couric in this episode, right? And oh, yeah, we, we did. Uh, mention of AOC, mention of Ronan Farrow. Like, we're getting toward, like, the the politics are showing themselves a little bit. I did they mention AOC? I think so. In that oh, in the rally weird. scene we were just talking about. Oh, okay. Because Victoria Newman is AOC. Or maybe, that, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe that's okay, the, yeah. the, the Newman is Yeah, they is make the, the reference. Uh, Homelander says something about, I loved your walk like an Egyptian video, which is a yeah. clear yeah. reference to the AOC yes. dancing video. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I like this, though. I think having an AOC-type character in this world makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you guys watched Space Force on Netflix, which was bad. Yeah. Uh, uh, but they had an AOC character who was called like XYZ or whatever, and it was much more blatant about it. This, as usual with most of the stuff with the boys, it's much subtler. Um, it's clear what they're going for, but it works much better because of it. And it, it's not, it feels less like a joke and more like they're making a point here or starting mm-hmm. to. We don't know where this is boiling toward, but uh, it feels like it's going somewhere. Yeah, and she's another one. I mean, to the Easter egg point, she's shown up in the background on two news reports, I think, over the course of the season. Um, But you don't know who she is really until this moment. Um, So it is another one of those things where, like, they just keep layering and sifting things in there in the background, uh, which is very nice. That's the fun. The way the media plays a role in the story is super interesting. Like, we get a lot of behind the scenes stuff like on the set jokes um talking about the ridiculous food all the time oh yeah i'm flying in with uh, starlight right now like all these like fun things and then the media packages that roll within it's just it's very cool the way they're uh, weaving it and making it a part of the story should we talk about the movie set then uh i think that's a that's a good thing to chat about there's so many it's so specifically about Avengers, and it's so well done. The, I mean, there's so many babies. Could we be can a Justice it. League. It could be a, making fun of the Justice no, League. No, it's Avengers. get out of here. It's Avengers. <laughs> Come on, the Joss, the Joss rewrite really sings. Come on, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a great line. I also uh, talking about like subtle but in your face at the same time things. The first scene we get with Maeve oh, and the yeah. dragon tattoo hacker girl, which is yeah. so blatant as well. Uh, her coming out to her and them almost kissing and then it getting interrupted. It's just a, such a smart pointed thing about how those big movies treat LGBTQ relationships. Yes. Uh, just so good. That's, so and well that's done. the title of the movie because it's kind of like she has this big moment and then she's like, oh, we have to keep going. And it's like, I thought that was like the title moment where it was really a funny kind of like, this is ridiculous, but we're also making fun of it. Yeah. Well, and and then that that uh, pivots nicely to the scene later with Maeve, where the the two dudes are pitching her on like her oh, new yeah, brand, yeah, yeah, the whole brave Maeve thing, like yeah. it's so exploitive and so like uh, blistering criticism of Hollywood. Yeah, the the part that made me wince with the reality of it is when they show Elena her new costume, her pantsuit, and they say, yeah, we find that people don't like it when it's too femme forward 
lesbians. They like to see the proper gender roles in there, you know, like mm-hmm. Ellen and Portia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, all of that, absolutely accurate. I wonder how many of these things have been conversations that people in the writer's room have actually heard behind the scenes or been told by EPs. Yes. Because a lot of that feels like just right on the page. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's awful. Uh, another Avengers reference. Uh, we get the dude from uh, Heroes who's in like Greg J.J. Grunberg. Abrams. Yeah, Grunberg, J.J. Uh, Abrams' buddy, who's the agent Coulson, basically, yeah. for yeah. Dawn of the Seven. Fun. Great cameo. I yeah. love that. Uh, very funny. And then also the, oh no, the Martians in the background with the green screen oh, suits coming yeah, that in. Was very hilarious. funny. Uh, all of that stuff's so good. I also love the that they keep coming back to this girls get it done thing. Yeah. Um, which is very fun. Uh, you get the moment with Starlight, Stormfront, and Maeve where they're going to take the Vought shaped key to Vought Tower. <laughs> the only thing that weirds me out a little bit about this, and I feel like this is almost part of what they're building, is where this fits in the real world continuity of the boys. And what I mean by that is it's Dawn of the Seven, but. It includes the current members of the seven and also a train is leaving. So what is this an origin story for the seven? Is this what's happening now? Does it matter? Translucent is not in this, right? I, I, yeah, I'm wondering who the seven are. No, they were going to get a uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton was going to do the voice of Translucent. For the film. Yeah, it's perfect. He's invisible. So you don't need to. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Hashtag team Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not really pushing it. <laughs> Finally, what a bold stance to come out pro Hamilton. Yeah. <clears throat> Hamilton is good. Um, oh what? Uh, the uh, Oh, the stuff with Ashley I thought was really fun here as well. And, and the A-Train side of it was sort of yeah, sad. I, Once I, again, sad for him. I want to talk about A-Train in this episode. Like, this was really a great A-Train app, And that performance he gave for kind of his last scene was moving. It was really well done. Um, I, it was kind of, um, I, I felt bad because a train was like, can I please just talk to Homelander? And he got it shut down. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, even the way that was shot where it's like just the back of Homelander, where it was like, a mm-hmm. could have been a stand in. Yeah. It was yeah, a stand in. Yeah, yeah. When they I turn lo- around, I love that detail. Me yeah. too. That so he smart. doesn't even get to talk to him. It's just a dude in a Homelander suit being like, yeah. loved it, dude. That was great. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so funny. Uh, and then you got uh, Ashley, ha- who's having someone eat her paella, if I'm <laughs> saying that correctly. Yeah, she yeah. traveled around Europe, tindered her way across Europe, fucked yeah. a dude with elephantitis, uh, had lots of people eat her paella. Um, but yeah, I again, getting back to those power dynamics, I love the fact that Ashley is literally losing it, like her hair falling out over what's going on with Homelander. But she's still in the power position where she can completely shut down A-Train. That's yeah. Just, it's interesting. It's interesting power dynamics to watch. Yeah, 100%. Uh, before we start to wrap up here, other things that you want to call out? Any other moments? I want to I talk about uh, the extra package. Uh, I thought that, like... You love extra. You watch it every day, right? No. You're but hashtag I, team extra, not hashtag team access Hollywood. Wow. (laughs) Don't put words in my mouth. So I just think it was like just the whole French toast joke and like the whole fakeness of it. It was uh, it was very impressive the way that was kind of in there as well. 
And the deep doing his commercial. It's like, not cool, yeah. dude. Oh. I thought uh, sort of the clue front or what to watch for, like, I love, they're keeping this deep storyline going. And the Church of the Collective, we learn in this episode that um, Stormfront was in the Church of the Collective at one point. Mm-hmm. So that oh. feels like that's going to be play into something later down the line. We get this that- call from the Sage Grove Center. Um, mm-hmm. And what, we don't know any, I don't know anything about that. Do you guys know what that is? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, as we talked about in the last episode, I think uh, Sean Ashmore shows up. He is, this is, I guess, a spoiler, though they came out and said this before the season, but he's Lamplighter. So yeah. there's going to be some connection there. We don't know what's going on in Sage Grove. Certainly the Stormfront is sending a ton of emails there and about it and everything else. So whatever this overall plan is, because... This certainly opens up a part of Stormfront's storyline that we didn't know about before. Uh, there's certainly something deeper in terms of what's happening with her. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right, Justin. There's got to be some sort of connection between the Church of the Collective, Stormfront, what's going on at Sage Grove, um, all of this stuff. And speaking of St- uh, Stormfront, the sit-down that she had with A-Train, oof, that was just really powerful yeah. and awkward. And like the way... It's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I, and then I later like the used, fi- and then later when we saw it with Starlight, when she was like, "Don't be racist." I'm talking about superheroes. Just so well played. Yeah. Well, I like the fact too that she knows she can do this because A Train is already on his way out. Like she yeah. could be her true, awful yeah. racist self with him because it's not going to matter. It's again the power dynamics you're talking about. Like everyone is hyper aware of who they uh, who they are above and who they are below, and everybody mm-hmm. plays it. Uh, right along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other things to talk about, just a couple of lines that I wrote down. Uh, Homelander's torturing of Maeve, it continues to be awful. It's so pointed. Look at these strong female lesbians. Oh. And then the line where he says, girls, get it on. And Ashley says, girls, get it done. He's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, great, awful line. Uh, I like the scene of Butcher drinking. And getting beaten up in the oh, punk yeah. concert. Yeah. The way Carl Urban played that, lying on the floor, enjoying it, I thought was really nice. Uh, oh, and following up on that, one of my favorite details, I know we go off on the media stuff a lot, but I love that he goes into a Dwayne Reed type place and it's just covered in seven stuff to the point where there's Homelander brand peas. Just yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, super fun. Yeah. Vought Farms. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, Vought Fresh Farms, I think is yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any other moments? I mean, we got uh, uh, Goran Vizhnik. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, as the leader of the Church of the Collective. Uh, yeah. We got him here in the promo. Uh, he's from Timeless. He worked on it with Eric Kripke. So that's fun to see him pop up again. I did... Like, because, uh, you know, the storm is so old that she wrote her password, like, right there, you know? Like, that was great. Mm-hmm. That was a fun old person bit there. Yeah. And we should probably talk about the sex scene at the end. Right, Pete? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, come on. Don't be a pussy. Laser my fucking tits. I, yeah, knew, you, I knew you were going to say that. Very fun. And uh, talk about, like, a match. Like, that's a match between those two. They're both oh, that may, it's Yeah, that's, it's so uncomfortable watching them. No, no, stop. No, but I I love that it is a, it's not even actually a mental match because I think Stormfront is beyond Homelander in that department, but it's definitely a physical match. And his realization there that he can't break her is 
great. Huge turn on for him and oh. really well, like very good. Yes. And very raunchy. I mean, not to call out one thing in particular, but the eating out part where she just takes his head and shoves it down. Very funny and very like ridiculously over the top. Yeah. Um, so just all of that stuff, the explosions, the breaking things. Uh, remind me a little bit of the uh, Spike Buffy sex scene the first time they had sex. Yeah. You guys remember, right, Pete? I don't know what you're talking about, but I believe you. Sure. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank I, you I know yes. you play that back a lot on your free yeah. time. I do. It's true. Uh, I'll, I'll cue it up for the next episode. I'll work with my coaches on it. Uh, before we wrap up here, who is the best boy in the episode, Pete? Mother's Milk. The part where he goes, so yeah, you can uh, get through Huey, but you're not going to get through me. Ah, unbelievable. Mother's Milk is fantastic in this show. He is just so much fun and uh, my favorite. I'm so surprised you didn't say Terror, Pete. I was expecting that. Yeah. Well, the way you guys set it up, I thought you were going to take it. Um, I'm going to take Butcher um, in this episode. I feel like he had such a good episode. We get to learn a little bit of backstory and get behind the bluster a little bit. Uh, We get to see more about how he cares for Huey. It's great. I'm going to pick Starlight, actually. I thought she was very good in this episode and got to play a lot of different notes um, from just as she works her way towards awkwardly being a spy for both sides, being a double agent. Uh, It's just not working out. But then she also gets these great moments with her mother that we didn't really talk about much. But um, those scenes are so good. They pick up on stuff really nicely from the first season. They feel very emotional. And, uh, you know... Stormfront makes fun of her for it, but even the way that she is very earnest about her feelings with her mother and how upset she is, I think was very well played across the board. Yeah, that whole trailer scene, uh, she killed it. The range that she showed in that scene was unbelievable. Yeah. Agreed. All right, folks. Thanks for listening in. If you'd like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come on by. We would love to talk to you about the boys, answer your questions, whatever you want to chat about. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Hear it. Number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next week, tell me, boy, tell me, boy, did you get very far? Stop. Tell me, boy. My coaches are right here. They They're s- shouting, hashtag not- team Dear Evan Hansen at me. I gotta keep going. Soup, the- soup's loving. We fucked in the air. <laughs> <laughs>